Welcome to the Hope in Real Life podcast with Jason Gore. Our team is passionate and committed to bringing you more hope in the everyday, real areas of your life. If this conversation and content is valuable for you, please do us a favor. Like, subscribe, and even share. You never know how valuable it could be to share a little bit of hope with someone else. Let's get the conversation started. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 14, our final episode of Season 2 on the Hope in Real Life podcast. Could not be more excited about this episode. We're calling this You Ask, We Answer. We did one of these at the end of Season 1, had a lot of great responses. And so here we are. We're going to be talking about questions that you as the listeners, you as the audience, have thrown to us. And I'm here today back with my good friend, Wade Harris, a.k.a. DJ Wade O Radio. Wade, welcome back to the studio. Hey, man, it's good to be back. Uh, we got some really interesting questions that came in. I just, I just, I just need to state this for the record. These are some interesting questions. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, if I, I think we're live right now, we are. And so, if you are on Instagram, yep. and you can jump in onto the live, and you can still throw in some questions mm-hmm. there as well. And our team here is uh, ready to receive those and, and let us know what they are. And uh, we'll do our best to get them answered. So here we are. All right, so you ready? I'm ready to do it. All right, here we go. Uh, so we're going to do some quick little rapid-fire questions first. Um, <clears throat> this first one came from a young man named Aiden G. He is in Garner, North Carolina. <laughs> okay? Aiden, Aiden G. from Garner, North Carolina. That's interesting because uh, I have a son named Aiden, so that's wow. interesting. Wow, so this question is interesting because he says, who is your favorite kid? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I I know this is gonna sound safe. Uh, the truth, I don't have a favorite kid. I don't. I you know, I will say that each one of our kids. We have three kids. Yeah. Um, Aiden, his sister Addison, and we got a younger guy, Connor. He's twelve. But uh, there are certain things that I love about each of them that are are different. And then uh, there are things about each of them that are challenging at times, <laughs> uh, but there's more things that are great than there are challenging. Sure. Uh, I'll say this though. If somebody wants to be like the favorite for a day, mm. there's things like my truck needs to be washed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some stuff that needs to be done around. So, uh, but man, no, we're, we're very blessed. We had three great kids and uh, love them to death. I think Aiden G might still be in this live stream. So he probably hopefully heard that. Yeah. He's also at school right now. So <laughs> I don't know how this is happening, but oh man. All right, here's a, here's another one. Okay. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why or why not? What in the world does that have to do with somebody's I, level I, I of hope? Mean, <laughs> maybe someone hopes that this, they have a hot dog for lunch today. A I don't good know. Tasting hot dog yeah. can bring a little bit of a dopamine rush. I'm gonna be honest. Okay. They can taste good. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, I think a hot dog's a hot dog. I don't think a hot dog's a sandwich. Okay. I mean, I understand. I know the argument. You got a you got a meat and you got a bun, bread. Yeah. Yep. So, so no, I think it's different. I think it's its own category, and uh, I think the real question is ketchup or no ketchup. Yeah, that's the question. I think that's the real question. Yeah. The answer is absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, well, so what do you put on your hot dogs? Uh, mustard. Okay. Okay, and then it just depends. Then after that, it's like, hey, what kind of mood are you in? Oh. But hot dog requires mustard. And then some days it's onions, some days maybe it's chili, maybe it's relish, but man, it's hard to beat. Like this <laughs> good hot dog mustard. I don't, I know they're not healthy. I'm sorry, but dang, they're good. They are good. Yeah. They are good. Okay, uh, here's another one. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? So, man, all the, we got like, Controversial questions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's yeah, you know, you know, people uh, ask you to pick a side with these questions. That's right. Jason. Di- I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Okay, and I'm gonna tell you why. And I know, wait a minute, what's the real meaning of Christmas? I, when I think of a Christmas movie, I think at the end of the day, what we're really thinking about is the nostalgia around sure. it. Like, what does it make you think about? When do you want to watch that movie? And if I'm gonna make up a stat here, but if but if <laughs> but if 90 percent of the times I think about Die Hard is in that window of Christmas, mm. then I think it's a Christmas movie, and I think our listeners uh, would have to agree with that, or they're not being honest with themselves. I, I, that's it. That's it. I like that answer. Okay, now here's an interesting one. Uh, we're, we're coming towards the end of football season. Uh, this question is from a Chase G. 
in Holly Springs, North Carolina. Okay, I have an idea. And this this Chase G has asked a question. He said, why do you think certain Florida-based teams, (laughs) NFL teams, not named Tampa Bay, so certain Florida-based NFL teams. Jacksonville. (laughs) Not not Jacksonville either? Not Jacksonville. All right. He says, why do they tend to shut down in cold Kansas City weather? And again, this is from Chase G in Holly Springs, North Carolina. Yeah, so um, here's what's cool about this. I'm a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. If our listeners don't know that, I'm a diehard Miami Dolphins. I grew up playing quarterback in the Dan Marino era, and uh, and it's been a hard run, man. Mm -hmm. It's been a hard couple decades. We finally got a team that's Mm -hmm. winning games. Love our head coach. And, uh, man, why do they shut down in the Kansas City cold weather? That's hurtful. (laughs) I just want to say that's a hurtful question. I do think if I'm really trying to answer it, man, yeah. that's a tough place to go in and play. It is. Especially it when is. you're down in Florida. It it's is. It's a little bit more warm down there. And, uh, man, you got to it, – that's tough. You're just not used to it. And you can – you can. the reality is when it comes to competition, yeah, um, you can be mentally tough. Yeah. And, and that's in and of itself. That matters. But, man, it's hard to put on the field what you don't practice. Mm. And you cannot replicate that down there. And mm. so I, I think it's, it's told on them for years. And uh, I don't think it's, you know, it's not it's not so big that they can never get over that. Sure. Hit, but it's definitely going to be a challenge sure. for them. Very funny, Chase. Very funny. <laughs> All right. Um, here's a good one. By the way, um, yes. how's Taylor Swift doing at those Kansas City mm. games? <laughs> I'm Shots kid. fired. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm great. I'm so I look. Taylor Swift should be able to go to football games and have fun just like anybody else. She's not putting herself on camera. Somebody else is doing that. So. That is true. Um, okay, fastest wrestling pin. My fastest. Your wrestling fastest. Pin? The fastest I've ever was ever pinned, or the fastest I pinned someone else. You know what? I think since you asked that, let's hear both. I don't know that I remember. I don't know the the second one. The, okay. uh, the fastest time I've been. Pinned. I mean, I. Over the years, I mean, it happened. You know, there's times yeah. we get pinned in the first period. I think, uh, I think my fastest pin ever was uh, was nine seconds. Sheesh. Yeah, yeah, nine seconds. Sheesh. It was under ten. I remember being. Yeah, it was. I, I was a little frustrated because I think it was closer to seven. I don't think they stopped the clock fast enough. Oh wow. That's uh, that was in high school. That was in high school. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what is your least favorite household chore? Least favorite household chore, without a doubt, the dishes. Okay. It uh, in, it's not that I don't. I like efficiency. All right. And there's usually we got three kids. We mm-hmm. got we got a lot going on mm-hmm. all the time. So you outsource the dishes. Well, it's not no. <clears throat> My wife would say I don't outsource it. She would say it's insourced. <laughs> um, and I'm all for staying busy, man. It the reality it takes me exponentially longer to do dishes than anyone else on the planet. Mm. And so I, my wife can can clean a, a a sink full of dishes in like two and a half minutes, and she's like, "No, I don't. It takes longer than that." So it probably does, but if if it takes her ten minutes, I promise you, it takes me forty five. I don't I don't know why, and um, but yeah, it would be the dishes, and it's mostly because I feel like I'm just wasting my time, and I'm probably being a little bit more um, overly concerned with the cleanliness of the dishes than I really need to be. We had a discussion about this on Instagram Live the other day. I don't think anyone likes doing dishes, Jason. So don't feel bad. I no. <laughs> I feel bad for my wife. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Uh here's another good one. Speaking of your wife, how do you incorporate quality time with your wife into your busy schedule? Oh man. Uh, you know what we we said tell, <laughs> tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. I uh, can I can I can't pass on some of these. You don't get like a pass or a phone a friend. Or you anything. can do phone a friend. No, I don't know who to friend you on a phone. The but. reality is, I do not spend enough quality time with my wife. That's the truth. Uh, it's uh you know I we get on this podcast and I want to I want to help people find hope. Sure. Um, and uh, but man, I I think that uh, our we we have a great marriage, mm-hmm. okay. Um, we have we have a very good marriage. I'd even say great marriage. I know that it would surpass that great if we just spent more time together, mm-hmm. just her and I. 
But man, it's just, it's tough, and this just sounds like excuse. But when you got three kids and you got sporting stuff all over the place, and then you got your, your church, and then you've got professional life, and then you know, and we know when we were just talking before the show started. I mean, sometimes and then life happens, right? And then someone gets sick in the family, or mm-hmm. you have a crisis. Like, man, it is so difficult. So I, I don't even remember what the question was, other than around quality time with my wife, and mm-hmm. I know that we don't do enough of that together. Um, Man, like sometimes quality time is like wrestling tournaments in between rounds mm. saying, okay, we're going to step out of the gym yeah. for a minute and yeah. have a 15-minute conversation. Yeah. Now, look, we go to dinner sometimes and things like that. Um, I've, I've had a, a couple of mentors strongly recommend, man, you need the weekly date night thing. Mm-hmm. And we, I've, I've failed miserably at making that happen regularly. That's fair. Yeah. But that's also real. And um, I appreciate that honesty, man. Yeah. That's a... That's a real thing. Um, also, if my kids are still listening and still on an Instagram live, I, I also want to blame them a little bit uh, as well. And because, you know, I need to feel comfortable leaving them at home and that type of thing. Mm. So if you guys can just mm. let me know it's okay to take mom out every now and then. Things will be good. You say I, you don't want to come home and the, and the Gore <laughs> residence is that's right. in shambles. I don't think they would tear the house down. I would worry about them hurting one another. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Okay. That's That's okay. Um, so while we're on marriage, though, uh, another question we got in, what are the keys to, because you've been married a long time, you say you have a great marriage, <clears throat> like what would you say are some of the, some of the keys to, to, to maintaining a healthy marriage, particularly over a, a prolonged period of time? Yeah, and you say a long time, you know, we, we've been married 21 years. That's a long and time, man. I, man, I, but... Eh. Yeah, it's 21 years, long time. I mean, it's not 50, but uh, I mean. That's what I'm saying. I feel like somebody says a long time. Like we got yeah. Jay Jennings in here. Jay, how long have you? you 48. Yes, 48 years. I feel yeah. like Jay should should answer that question more than I should. Um, uh, but you got to get to 21 before you can get to 48. That's true. You got to get to 21 before, before 48. I think, um, I think one is recognizing that um, marriage is not about a a feeling mm. in a moment. Mm. Um, even love is not about a feeling. Yeah, um, Love is about a commitment. Love is about a decision. And I'm telling you, my wife and I, and the ride that we've had, even just in the last five years, if you just take the last five years, it would be difficult if you were to say, if, we, if, our, if our thoughts around marriage were just around, are we happy mm. in this moment? Mm. Because the reality is there's been a lot of moments where we were not happy sure. with our circumstances. Um, when circumstances get difficult, we don't always operate in the most healthy ways. So then that means there's things that we don't like about each other and mm-hmm. our behaviors and our tendencies mm-hmm. and the things that we're mm-hmm. prone to do when we get stressed out. But man, one thing my wife and I do have is a commitment to sticking together through it. Wow. And to know that this is a commitment that we've made. And so I think the first thing I would say is just realizing that, that, that love and marriage is not about a feeling, but it's about a commitment mm-hmm. all right, that you make mm-hmm. and you stick to it. Uh, the secondly, I, I would say is, is, ju- is just communication. And it could sound like, oh, of course, somebody would say communication. It's communication. I, in, in my own marriage, and then I do you know, some pastoral counseling with other folks at, at times, but... <sighs> The ability to actually have a safe place where you can be open and honest about how you're feeling and what you're experiencing yes. and where your expectations are and if your expectations are being met and being able and not just being able to say it because so many people think communication is just, oh, yeah, I'm communicating great. I'm telling you, yeah, but, but, but are you hearing mm-hmm. as well when someone mm-hmm. else, have you created a safe environment for someone else to share with you mm-hmm. how they feel? And, um, I think that's one thing that's been helpful for us. It's definitely not always been easy, but over the years we've been able to be honest with one another about things that we're concerned about, fears that we might have, challenges that we might be facing, or when we're, when we're me, might not be living up to an expectation that I need to be living up to. Mm-hmm. So honoring the commitment. Honoring the commitment and communication. Communication. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. And probably date nights, but I can't say that I'm doing a good enough <laughs> Okay. Um, speaking of family, another question we got in was just around parenting. Uh, the Bible calls us to honor and respect our parents. But what if our parents are a little bit difficult? How do you navigate a strained relationship with a parent? Man, 
I don't think my parents listen to this. So um, <laughs> I've got great, I've got a, uh, um, a great mom, got a great dad, um, but life's not been perfect. Sure. And, and uh, at the end of the day, we do have a responsibility to honor our parents. Uh, I think if there's anything that I've learned over the years, it's that um, life is hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> to be a parent is hard. Mm-hmm. And so to expect a parent to have had everything together every step of the way over the, it's probably an unrealistic expectation. That's good. And life, life just takes a tax on us. It just takes a toll on us. And so, man, there's gotta be a lot of grace. There's gotta be a lot of mercy. There's gotta be a lot of understanding when it comes to the life that they lived. And, and like by the sheer fact that you were, were talking about our parent means that we're still here, which most likely, and I know for some, this is not the case, but for most of us, like, that has a lot to do with the fact that they actually did keep us alive and care for us uh, a bit along the way. And so, but man, how do you do it? Gosh, I think, again, it comes back to a commitment to honor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then I think, um, but at the same time, I think putting proper boundaries in place is important as well for yourself and for them and being able to communicate well and say, hey, um, this is creating tension in our relationship. And I would like to address it. I'd like us to do something about that. So I think you can honor, but then also have real conversations. Mm. And, uh, and so you're an adult, they're an adult. And so you should be able to talk to each other like healthy adults. Um, the hard part is, and what I've, what I've seen and what I've found in in families, it's just difficult because in families, there's so much emotion that's involved. There's so much history. It's hard to have a conversation about, one thing mm-hmm. because really there's so much other stuff mm-hmm. just being filtered in. Mm-hmm. So um, don't be afraid to have healthy boundaries, have healthy conversations. But at the end of the day, I mean, we do have a responsibility to ask the question, what does it mean to show honor in this situation? Yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, <clears throat> let's go here. Um, what has been the lowest point in your life? How did you recover? Come back from it. Oh, People coming with these heavyweight questions. I'm not. I'm not. Oh my gosh, the lowest point of my life is it? I mean, the whole thing is gonna like we've had energy up here. Now I feel like it's gonna bring it down. Uh, Lowest moment in my whole life. Um, Tell the truth, man. Um, You've had. I mean, in all fairness. You've had some moments. So this yeah, is Yeah, I'm trying this to is, pro- I'm, I'm really I want to answer the question honestly yeah. and so I'm really thinking through um I know what uh <laughs> there are areas in my life that my therapist would refer to as compound trauma. <laughs> mm. And so I'm trying to figure out I'm just sitting here processing through the lowest. Um I believe in in 2018 when my stepdad passed away mm. unexpectedly. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. man, it, uh, that was challenging. I don't even know if in the moment I would have considered, I mean, of course it was a low, but like, I mean, at that moment he was for all intents and purposes, a primary caretaker for my mom, mm-hmm. her health wasn't great. She just mm-hmm. had a back surgery, mm-hmm. um, and th- th- all kinds of circumstances that sur- so that kind of surround this is make it difficult that we're, that we're not going to get into right now, but. Um, that kind of led to a, I mean, a six month window of us caring for my mom, of dealing with the, the hurt of losing, you know, like, man, the, the strength for our family. Uh, and I, so I would say that would be, that would definitely be one is the question. How did you recover? Yeah. Is that, yeah. <laughs> I'm still recovering. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I, I don't know. And I'm okay with this. I'm becoming okay with this, but I don't know if you ever fully recover from certain things. Sure. I think we'd like to pretend. I, I think we move on. I think we get stronger. Yep. But I don't know if we fully recover. And yeah. if we do, I haven't figured it out yet. Um, and so I think I'll carry that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really do. And uh, that's okay. I mean, you know, I've got areas, I've got friends around me. I've got uh, <laughs> invention therapists that probably haven't gone uh, been in, is engaged with that relationship recently as much as I should have, but as much as I should be. But I've got friends and, and other family around me. Um, I've got hope in Jesus uh, that he's going to see us through. Uh, and he has. He's sustained. So um, 
Yeah, I don't know if you fully recover. I think the, uh, I think at the end of the day, there are times where the best thing you can do is just get out of bed and move forward. Yep. And uh, and I think God honors that, and I think we get stronger as we go. So this is not a question from our listeners, but you mentioned this. I think we should stay here a minute. What are a couple of things that you learned from your stepdad? Because clearly, and I, I got to hope. Like, I started working at our church right after this happened. Okay. And that was one of the first things that people told me. Okay, They just said, hey, like, he just went through this. Yeah. Like, certain things may, you know, so just keep that in mind. But yeah. clearly, he meant a ton to you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one, just, just steadiness. You know, my parents... Mm-hmm. My mom and dad were divorced when I was one, mm-hmm. and uh, there was, so there was, you know, is it, I don't, I don't know if my story is like everyone's story. For yeah. me, that, that it was just that was always hard. It was always weird, you know, like you know, mom and dad, everybody else's mom and dad seems like they're together. He's not around, um, you know. You see him every other weekend and those types of things. And as the years went on, he started started becoming around. But um, if I the stability that he brought into our family. He was not necessarily the most vocal man, but worked hard, (laughs) was steady, made sure that our family was cared for. If you needed something, if you needed to talk, he would sit down, he would listen, uh, he would be there. So I think one, just the steadiness and strength to to make sure that I had a safe place. Uh, um, I, I don't know that I could put enough words to that. Mm. And so that was that. I think his his work ethic was through the roof. Um, he started out working um, in a warehouse, worked his way up into to management, into a leadership role with a, a propane company, then went and started his own company. Um, very successful business owner. Um, we kind of moved from living life on a farm to moving out to carry. And uh, so I think... <laughs> moving I, on up. Yeah, man. I, so I think just yeah. the, the steadiness and work ethic. Yeah. Um, and then just learning, like, there's been a number of areas in my life where people have, like, walked out or done yeah. what I would just say, I think what we'd always say would be the wrong thing. Yeah. And um, he was uh, not that. He was the opposite of that. It was, it was just, a, just that dependability, that faithfulness, and that steadiness, I think, that impacted me the most. Wow. That's powerful. Because, I mean, here's the thing you model that in your life. Hmm. Like just like as a coworker, as a friend, uh, as one of my bosses, I see that a lot in you. Hmm. And so um, that's just significant to hear that, man. So um, you don't talk about this much, but you actually started at Hope as an intern. uh, And once upon a time you left the Planet Church then you came back and you served in a variety of roles, and now you are our lead pastor, obviously. Um, how do you balance your ambition with what God is calling you into and assuming additional responsibilities along the way? I mean, so many people are always trying to navigate their careers. Um, how, how, how have you been able to do that? That's really the question. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did start out as an intern. My, my uh, I don't know if I've shared this before, in the, but my, uh, my job in career path through college was after my freshman year, I started a painting company mm. and, um, uh, and so ran that made some, some pretty good money with that. And then into my, after my second year in college, uh, I really was able to kind of let that run itself. Uh, and so kind of spun that, you know, kind of handed that over to some friends. And then I went and, uh, did a marketing and management internship, uh, with Sherwin Williams, okay, and that was great. And then the year after that, the summer after that, I ended up as the intern for the vice president of marketing for North America for Sony Ericsson. Okay, and so um, you know, up and to the right. Yeah. And then the very next summer, um, I did an internship with Hope Community Church <laughs> as a youth ministry intern. and uh, So you were feeling that call to ministry. I, I was, man. I, yeah. I think I was at a place where I had spent a lot of time thinking, okay, this it's about success. It's about, um, I want to, just being honest, I wanted to make a lot of money and, and was heading at least in that direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
But uh, but I started getting involved in this back then. What was this tiny church in Cary called Hope Community Church? Like 200, 250 people. And uh, I I saw that, I mean, God was up to something. God, I believe, rescued me out of some things during that time period. Um, I had gone through high school asking a lot of questions mm-hmm. based on some other stuff that, you know, I could have maybe given one of those moments when you asked what was mm-hmm. uh, one of my lowest moments. Uh, but I, I wanted to provide that steadiness for high schoolers, you mm-hmm. know, for those in, the, in that time that were, you know, because I had just kind of come out of that season. I was in college at the time. And uh, so got involved in student ministry, man. I'll just tell you, I just got bit by the bug of what it means to help others' lives change mm-hmm. and uh, and experience the life that I believe God has for them. And so, yeah, I ended up in, in student ministry and um, my career path, yeah, definitely took a different turn. I, uh, I think I interned that summer. I think I interned again. And then when I came out of school, I had an opportunity to go be a pharmaceutical sales rep. Uh, in a different city, ended up taking a job, a management uh, training role with a company called Centos. Mm-hmm. Did that for a bit, and um, then check that. Before that, I went to staff with AI with uh, Athletes in Action mm. uh, for uh, for about a year. Yeah, and then I went into the business world, and then through that time, though, I was still serving at Hope um, in different volunteer roles. So as a worship leader, as student ministry, we had actually started a college ministry through that time. And after being at CentOS for a little bit, Hope asked if I would come on staff, essentially as our college pastor. Mm-hmm. It'd be the, uh, the easiest way to say it. But my first stint, my first year, I think, was working in youth ministry in college, moved to college. But then, you're, then, then yes, then we planted a church out of Hope in 2006. That's right. Yep. So I was there from 2006 to 2012. So this is where I'd like to get into that. Your, your question is around ambition. How mm-hmm. do you said how do you balance ambition? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think uh, when I was younger, around that time period, you know, call it circa 2003 into 2006 and even into the church planting, mm-hmm. I don't think I did balance ambition. Wow. I think, I think it, I do believe there was a time it was like, hey, the goal is to grow the church. Let's have a big church. Let's do, and, um, and, and when those become your focus, when mm. those become your goal, mm. How you do what you do changes a little bit. Sure. And I can, you know, this is probably a whole nother podcast in and of itself, but through the end of my time there, um, I think some, it's possible that some ambition or some desires, not necessarily personal ambition, but even just ambition for what it was we wanted to see happen. Sure. Um, Clouded some judgment, Mm. definitely impacted some relationships. I would say I, I learned how to not handle yourselves in in seasons and in moments of conflict uh, that I really believe prepared me for the journey when I got back to hope. And so I, so if you're really getting into how do you balance the ambition, I would say, um, you know, the Bible, so our listeners, they believe a lot of different things. I'm sure of it. <laughs> we all do. Um, I believe when the Bible says that we should do all things as though unto the Lord. Uh, and so that should be our ambition. Mm. That that should be our our, our focus. And when we get that part right, when we get it like seeking first the kingdom of God, it says, and then all these things will be added. Like I I, I kind of just went through the season where I realized through that time period that it's very possible to do the right things the wrong way, mm. and and you can hurt mm. a lot of people, and and if you're not careful. And so if somebody's asking this question, like, how do you balance ambition? I would say, I would kind of turn the table and say, it really depends on what you're in. Be careful what you place your ambition in or Mm. what you're ambitious for. Mm. And so if I'm ambitious for being the most godly man that I can be, the best husband that I can be, the best dad that I can be, the best coach that I can be, the best pastor that I can be, the best brother that I can be, then all these other things, as best I can tell, from the butt are going to be added unto mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so I would say um, it's not a matter of balancing your ambition. What was the question? Balance your ambition with what? As you take more responsibility. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. Yeah, so I, I, as I take more responsibility, what I learn is my ambition, um, if the question is just about as you grow from intern to lead pastor, <laughs> your ambition has to change to what does it mean to be a servant? Yeah, it's good. Because at the end of the day, leadership, 
is really about serving other people. That's good. And uh, it cannot be about how do you build your own kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of folks get mm-hmm. caught up in that. Mm-hmm. And man, it does terrible things to them as individuals. And it does terrible things to people around them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I get it perfect, but I am saying that I've done it the wrong way. And I've learned some lessons. And by God's grace, I think I've gotten at least a little bit more right. Mm-hmm. And I think myself and those around me get to experience a little bit of blessing because of that. That's good. That's good. Um while we're talking about church, work, ministry, ambition, another question from one of our listeners. How do you plan for the future on a low income? How do you plan for the future on a low income? Ma'am, that's a great question. I think uh, I'm not a financial coach, you know, but, but I am a believer in, in actually knowing what your goals are mm-hmm. and writing them down and then being realistic. Yeah. And so the truth is, um, it cost a lot more money to live right now than it did five years ago. Yes, sir. There's just, there's just no getting around it. Yes, right? sir. And so, um, you know, I'd love to say, hey, listen, we can all live on less than what we really think we need, yeah. which is true, but I also want to be realistic. I mean, it costs more to live right now. So I would say that um, if someone is really in a in a lower income situation than they want, but they have hopes... You've got to do the hard work of writing down your goals. Mm -hmm. You've got to do the hard work of writing down what you're spending your money on. Mm. And then you'd better identify, and then you need probably need to write down in the middle, what are the things you need to be doing to go towards your goal? And man, if there's things that aren't on that list that, and I was going to say that are on the list on the left, because in my mind, I'm writing this down. Um, You got to cross those Mm. things out. I mean, you're going to have to drop some things. But That's you're good. not going to know what to drop until you actually evaluate what it is that you're spending your money on, mm-hmm. evaluate what it is that I need to do to accomplish my goals mm-hmm. in light of what our goals are. So you need to know what you're trying to accomplish, and you need to know what you're doing and if it's pushing you in that direction or not. Most people don't like doing that budget, Jason. Uh, so you, you, that, that, that probably stepped on a couple of toes, but that's the reality. You can't get there without knowing well, what you're I doing with it. I think we've got an episode or so about that that maybe they could check out. I point. think we do. <laughs> You can check out the episode with George Camel. That's a that's a that's a that's a good place. Okay. Um Okay, here's a here's oh man. I don't think we wrote down who asked this question, but this is such a good question. If you could sit and talk with one leader from history for an hour, who would it be? And what would you talk to them about? Not Jesus, because I know, I know, I, 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 know, I, I, know I know, I know, not Jesus. We know you would talk, to, you talk to Jesus all the time. Let me, let me, I know, but not in the way like yeah. sitting down and looking. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. If I really could, any leader, yeah. and I'm not just saying this, yeah. my answer really would be Jesus. Sure. I, like, I just, what that guy did, I mean, and, it, and it's changed the world. Mm-hmm. It's changed the world. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, and there's just certain things that you read about in, in scripture that I, I want to be like, man, what was it like when that happened? Mm. And I, I just, so there's a, but I can't say that. And so, <laughs> so there's, you know, so there's all kinds of people. Um, I'll give you a couple. And then how about I give you a fun one? Okay. I'll, I'll give okay. you, I'll give you what I, what it really would be if it was like today. Okay. So um, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. All right. Come yep. on. I mean, yep. great leader. Yeah. Uh, led our, our, through a crisis. Our yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So plenty there. And then, um, you know, what does it mean to lead through difficult times? I think would mm-hmm. be a part of that question. And, and then, man, I, I think you got Martin Luther King Jr. Sure. I mean, goodness gracious, sure. um, the the passion and the zeal of what he held on mm-hmm. to, and mm-hmm. and obviously it, it cost him. Yeah. And. Uh, and so I don't know what it is in, in, you know, you know, Jesus living for what he believed cost him something too. So I yep. don't know what it is about me and my journey yeah, that, I mean, that, uh, that, that kind of draws me into conversations like that. Um, and, but then, but you know, the fun one I would give is, uh, is he's actually still alive today and, and who knows, maybe one day we'll end up having him, uh, on the show, but the head wrestling coach of Penn state university, Kale mm. Sanderson. Okay. Um, I think that that guy is, um, First of all, he kicked my butt in college, but he kicked everybody. <laughs> he kicked everybody's butt. He never. I didn't see that coming. He, he never lost a high school wrestling match. Wow. All right. Wow. He never lost a college wrestling match. Really. Four-time national champ. Four-time okay. most outstanding wrestler. Uh, went to the Olympics. Won the Olympics. Mm. Uh, Olympic gold medal, and now he's the head coach at Penn State. 
And I think his dual meet record, like which is one team versus another yeah. team over I'm gonna some of these numbers are gonna be off just a little bit, but I think it's like either over the last eight, nine, or ten years, is something like you somebody and somebody in here, maybe you can Google it, Penn State's wrestling right, but I think it's like a hundred and twenty three and one. Wow. Or something like that. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's just uh Okay. <laughs> and so the the guy knows how to handle his own business and he knows how to lead. Mm. And what I love about him and why him specifically, because there's been plenty of people that are successful. Um, the, uh, it, you know, like Bill Belichick's been successful, but I, I don't know that I think him sitting down talking for an hour. Have you seen his press conferences? Mm -hmm. uh, but, what, yeah. <laughs> but what Kale does, he preaches every single one of his kids. You hear the, them talk about our yeah, culture. Jason, uh, that's right. That's, that's, that's not going to be fun. For, but at Penn State, like their culture is work hard, play hard. Like yeah. work hard, have fun, have fun, have fun, have fun. Have Everything they do is have fun. It's mm. like they don't feel any stress. They don't mm. feel any pressure. They just go mm. out and they let it fly and they let the cards fall mm. where they may. And, uh, and like I think that more of us, I know I could, sure. and the type of culture I want to create in the environments that I've been entrusted to lead, I want to create an environment like that. Where, yeah, 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 we're doing big things. We're going to accomplish big things. But man, we're we're having fun. We're letting it fly. You know, That's this good. is not. There's no stress. There's no pressure. So I'd love to sit down for a while and talk with him about how he's built that culture and what's helped him be able to build the culture that that type of culture the way that he has. Like you making me. I'm about to look this guy up as soon as we get done recording this podcast. What do you got? It's uh, as of January 21st, 50 straight dual meet wins. 50 straight dual wow. meet wins. Previously. They held 60 straight. Dudes. 60 straight. I don't see I don't see an overall. Record, okay. All right. Well, that right there is 110. That's 110 yeah. and one. So, yeah. Very impressive. Kale Sanderson, maybe we need to get him on. Let's work on that. <laughs> okay. Um, you ask everybody this um, at the end of the, each episode, and uh, I want to flip this on you a little bit. Where do you see yourself in five years? That's the first one. Hmm. Where do I see myself in five years? Let's think. So I'll almost be 50. Yes. I'll almost be 50. Yes. Um, where do I see myself? Well, you'll probably be planning your 50th birthday party. That's right. well. There's yeah. one. There's I, one. I hate planning parties. <laughs> okay. I absolutely hate planning parties. Uh, I think, where do I see myself? I see myself in the same house. Yeah. I see myself in the same neighborhood. Yeah. We're living on the south side of Raleigh, Garner. Uh, yeah. Same home. I... Um, I believe I'm still married. <laughs> I think at that point, five years, we're 26 that's years in. say 26. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're 26 years in. Um, I think I'm still in the same role as lead pastor. Uh, in, I in hope five so. Years. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, guy could do anything. You yeah. know, there's a lot of different things he could do. Yeah. Um, if it, if it's not, it's just because if I'm not, it would be because I would I would I think because myself and some others thought maybe there's somebody else who's better. For the, for the role. I'm not saying that I think that's I'm certain that's not the case today because someone would have told me. But, um, but <laughs> I hope we do have an elder meeting tonight. We'll see. Uh, I think it's review time coming up. But, uh, but no, I, I think so because I think in five years, but what I would like to be, I would say this I'd like to be spending more time at that point um, equipping and empowering and coaching more leaders uh, around our country mm -hmm. uh, in, in whatever that means. Mm. So um, I think my impact long-term, uh, I would like to help leaders find more hope, help leaders create environments where their teams can actually experience more hope in what it is that they're trying to accomplish and do together. Love that. Okay, last question. And I'm probably, let me say this too. Yep. I hope in five years, yeah, in five years my twins will be in college, and Connor will either be in college or almost college. Um, mm. And this is not for me because I want it, though yeah. I do enjoy it. This yeah. is because of what their goals are. <laughs> I hope that I'm traveling around watching them compete at the next level, uh, whether that's football, wrestling, and uh, being able to watch a little bit of NCAA action. Based on what I've heard, I think there's a very <laughs> good shot of that happening in one of those avenues. Yes. That's just, just my uh, non-expert opinion. Um, do we? We, we do. Okay. <clears throat> okay. No, let's yeah. no, let's let's get to our questions. So Haley is letting us know that we have some questions. We have some the questions from the from the live feed. All right. One question. Do you have a favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot. Oh my gosh. So this look, I want you to when I said I don't do the quality time thing well, it's not because I don't want to. And um 
I actually love nothing better, very few things better than just turning everything off mm. and relaxing. Mm. Um, so my favorite vacation spot that I've ever been to is a place I went there on my honeymoon. And then we went back again. I don't know. I'm going to get this number wrong yet, but like five years ago with some very close friends. Um, but it's called Swept Away Resort in Negril, Jamaica. Okay. And uh, I like it. Is that I think in, in Negril, it's boasted as like the largest beachfront with the lowest occupancy ratio. Mm. So there's not a lot of people there, yeah. but they've got like four different pools. I think like six different restaurants. Wow. Um, it's all inclusive, which for my wife is is a big deal because sure. well, for me is a big deal because my wife doesn't like to spend money. Yeah. But like once it's spent, it's like uh, it's, it's done. Yeah, it's yeah. done. And then and get the, you some jerk chicken in the, the grill. The, oh my god, that jerk get chicken. That jerk Jamaica chicken right now. <laughs> Man, jerk chicken, that jerk <laughs> yeah. grouper. Right. Um, Plantains. So, yeah. so I, I could be argued, I think, like, looking at pictures, I could be argued into, like, French Polynesian islands. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So that's kind okay. of the same thing. Okay. Uh, but it's, but for the price point. <laughs> yeah. And want to talk about the budget that you live there on you go. earlier, that's probably going to have to be a little further We out. got these ministry budgets. That's right. So Swept Away Resort, if you're listening, I would love to come and uh, hang out there for a week or so and talk about you on the podcast. Sponsor the podcast! <laughs> so the follow-up question to that was, if you had to live on the island with one meal to eat forever, what would it be? A uh, grouper. Group, okay. Yeah, yeah, fish or whatever their, you know, their freshest catch would be there. But yeah, without a doubt, it would be fish every day right out of the water. Mm. How do the question is how do I combine <laughs> your face right now? <laughs> how do I combine being uh, both a pastor and a coach? Um, I think I'm the I think I'm almost the same guy in both places. The answer is I'm probably more I approach my pastoral role and my leadership role probably more as a coach than most do, mm-hmm. and I'm probably honestly a little more pastoral in my coaching approach than most coaches are. And so I think who I am doesn't change. Now, <clears throat> do I yell more when I coach than when I preach or when I'm in staff meeting? Yes, I do. Um, do my do the joggers that I wear both to work and to go get a little bit more worked up when I'm mm. coaching? Yeah, they they find their way. And so you probably use some different language too. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm just you know, I would I would but but I, but it is a. Uh, you know, in the coaching scene, whether it's football, specifically in the wrestling community, very tight-knit community, a lot of people know what I do. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of an ongoing joke. Like, there, mm. I mean, I'm telling you, there are times where I do get a little bit more worked up in an official than I'm proud of. Yeah. Or, um, But there's also times where I show restraint and hold back because I'm like, man, I know that uh, – this would probably not be a good look on somebody else's live video feed. That's how it's, er, it's videos everywhere <laughs> Every, now. Everywhere. Everywhere. And so, but I, but I would say, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, but I think, I again, I approach the pastoral role from a little bit more coach side, yeah. and then and I'm probably a little bit more pastoral uh, on the coaching side. Like, I really want, that, whether it's an athlete, a young athlete, or an adult in the business world, if I'm off, I want them to know, like, first and foremost, you're cared for. Mm-hmm. This is out of an appreciation. This is out of a love for who you are and what it is that you want to accomplish. So, um, and yeah, I probably need to work on my language sometimes when I'm coaching. Sometimes. We all do. We all do. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, here's our our last question. What are you, Jason Gore, on? I won't tell the date because this will air at a different date. Okay. But um, what are you most hopeful for right now? What am I most hopeful for? Um, Let me worry. Can I say, what am I hoping for? You can do Uh, that. that? I mean, Um, this is your podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. What am I most hopeful for? One, I I say the most important thing to me is that, um, first and foremost, that I love and lead and serve my family well. Mm. Um, And so Mm. I am hopeful for a life that follows closely enough to Jesus that it points my wife and my children in the direction that is going to allow them to experience the abundant life and the purpose-filled life mm-hmm. that God's created them for. Mm-hmm. And so um, there are days where I'm more 
hope filled that I'm doing that than others. Sure. Um, but, sure. Uh, but if you just said the most hopeful and then beyond that, uh, wait, you know, like this, um, what I get to do in, in serving, and I say this in, in so much humility in, in the, in the lead pastor role at hope, mm-hmm. um, in coaching the environments where I've been entrusted to coach, whether it's football, whether it's wrestling, um, I believe that there's so much brokenness and hurt mm. in the world around us right now. And I also know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is not what we were exper- created yeah. to experience is our yeah. everyday norm. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I am hopeful uh, of creating environments and giving the best of myself to that end. That in whatever environment it is that, uh, that I'm in, I'm bringing the most possible hope too. So whether it's leading the church, whether it's, um, you know, in my family, whether it's in my community, whether it's on a sports team that I'm leading. But I mean, that's really the heartbeat of what this podcast was birthed out of, right? I mean, I'm in the room right now. We got Red in here, Maude, Haley, Elena's not in here today, but we got Jay, like yourself, you know, so when I talk about like the Hope in Real Life team, just so everyone knows, that's largely who it is to our listeners. But we talk about how do we bring the most amount of hope possible to the everyday real moments of the lives of our listeners? And this, we didn't say, let's start a podcast. We said we want to bring people hope. And we thought this podcast would be the best way to do that. If a better way comes up to do that, then man, let's go and try to do it. But man, I'm hopeful for what we're doing, the work that we're putting in into this podcast, that it actually would impact our listeners. This is not about going back to that ambition thing. This mm-hmm. is not about how do we build subscribers, how mm-hmm. do we, which you should. You should subscribe, you should like, you should share. But th- this is about how do we actually bring hope into people's lives who desperately need it. And so I'm hopeful for a movement of a tribe that just wants to not only receive this hope, but also share this hope uh, with other people. And so that's what I'm hopeful for. And then if I could add one more to it. Mm-hmm. I do believe that the culmination of that hope, I believe, is only possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know me. Like, I'm a pretty open guy, yeah. pretty transparent guy. Like, I want this podcast to be a podcast that anybody can listen to, yep. regardless of their religious beliefs, regardless of any where they are in life, and they can find a bit more hope than when they started. That's good. Right? Um so <clears throat> having said that, I personally believe short of a relationship with Jesus and understanding like there's a God that loves you so much and he created you to experience one life. But like, man, we've all gone off and done some jacked up stuff. <laughs> and because of that brokenness in our lives and other people's collective brokenness together, like it just makes sense that the world's not going to be what it's supposed to be. But God didn't want to leave us there. And mm-hmm. he doesn't ask us to earn our way back to him. Mm-hmm. Which is like, that's why we're all stressed. That's why we're all anxious, because mm-hmm. we're trying to earn something. We're trying to put things back in a place that we really don't have control over anyways. Mm-hmm. And so realizing that God sent his son to teach us how to live, mm-hmm. what the Bible says is to pay a price that we deserve for our sins, that jacked up stuff that we did, that brokenness, that he would pay the price for that through a death on a cross and then go into a grave to a tomb for three days, and then three days later, raising from the dead, overcoming sin and death so that we could have that restored relationship with God so all that brokenness could be put back together. I just don't know. And look, I'm a David Goggins fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a, like I, these guys that are like, nobody cares, work harder, and I get it. And like that's some of my best advice for people sometimes. But at the end of the day, you just can't work anymore. Right. So, at some right. point, it runs out. And if you don't have Jesus, I just don't know where the hope comes from. And so we can put plans in place. We can balance our checkbooks. We can know what our budget is. We can go on enough date nights. Um, we can, but, but man, at the end of the day, we just run out of gas. And if we don't have Jesus, I don't know where it comes from. And so my hope would be not only that this podcast would be for everybody, but it would also move them along in their journey towards a relationship with Jesus and the hope that that can provide. Man, I um I just want to say this, man. Like I'm thankful for your vision for this ministry, right? Like I have a lot of conversations with friends in ministry outside of ministry. There are very few churches 
that are attempting to do what it is we're attempting to do through bringing people hope through a medium like this. And not just with the podcast, with the app, with all the other things that we're doing. And I think to have that vision of like, man, we want to do whatever it takes to bring people hope, even if we got to do some things that are a little uncomfortable or a little unorthodox or a little un whatever else other word you want to put under after un. Um, it's significant, man. And um, I just want to thank you for that. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I would say that um, uh, you said thank you, so I'll say you're welcome. But I will say, like, all glory to God. Like, I don't, uh, I don't think I've done enough to earn the right, the, the privilege to be able to do what it is that I get to do, and then to get to do it with a team like this sure. man, makes it like just. Uh, it's like, man, how can we not get it done? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, humbled to be a part of it. Absolutely. So, so who's wrapping us up? We got class week. Who's going to wrap us up? Hey, this, it sounds like this will conclude <laughs> season two of Hope in Real Life. Um, I hope this episode has been valuable for you. Wanted to get to know us, my, myself, I guess, a bit a bit better. And uh, uh, you wrote in the questions, so I'm assuming that, uh, that they're good uh, and it's what you needed. Um, looking forward to season three. Please like, subscribe, share this content with other people who you think uh, actually need a bit more hope in their everyday life. And then if you have topics or things that you want to cover, want to hear us cover in season three, you can DM us, you can leave a comment, plenty of different ways you can let us know. And we would love to follow up with you if we can and or make sure it's in season three. Wade, thank you so much for everything you've done. Team, thank you for everything you've done to make season two a hit. We love you guys. Hope in real life listeners. And we will see you next season. That deserve a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> clap it up, clap it up. Oh man. That was so funny. This is like, who's wrapping this up here? Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hope in Real Life podcast. If this content was valuable for you, don't forget, like, subscribe, share. You never know how important it could be to bring a little hope into someone else's life. Uh, there's even a place here for you to comment. We would love to hear from you and hear your feedback. Until next time, let's keep sharing hope.